Now, for those of you who follow my personal social media pages, you know that I mentioned a while back that I had a big announcement that I was going to be making. Well, yesterday I officially went public with it, and I am happy to announce here on the Boochcast that Booch Fest is returning. And it is coming to the Anchor Bar in Kennesaw, Georgia. Located at 2708 Town Center Drive, Kennesaw, Georgia, 30144. Again, that address is 2708 Town Center Drive, Kennesaw, Georgia, 30144. The show will be taking place on November 3rd at 8 p.m. And that will be the first of many shows that will be taking place on a bi-weekly basis, which means starting November 3rd, every other Thursday, there will be a comedy showcase at the Anchor Bar. The show will be hosted by me, and it will feature some of the funniest comics the Atlanta comedy scene has to offer. Some have been doing it for years, some who are relatively new, and some who may even be stepping on a comedy stage for the very first time time all comedy acts no matter how long they've been performing are welcome to be in this show so come on down for a great night of comedy as the booch is taking over kennesaw and on december 10th combat pro wrestling presents seasons beatings at Eastside High School, located at 1300 Brushy Creek Drive, Taylor, South Carolina, 29687. Again, that address is 1300 Brushy Creek Road, Taylor, South Carolina, 29687. I, of course, will be the ring announcer for this event, and the show will be featuring special guest general manager, WWE Hall of Famer, Brutus the Barber Beefcake. Also scheduled to appear are... The Cowboy James Storm, the legendary Barbarian, the Greater Good Garrett Sinclair, Forever Young Devin Cruz, from AEW Griff Garrison, the Russian Wolf Neil Koloff, from Tosh.0 Dave Wills, it's still real to me damn it, the All-American Blue Chipper Chase Emery, Buckshot Brian Brock, NWA Tag Team Champions and NWA United States Tag Team Champions. The Heat Seekers. Born Scum Chase Lovelace. Stan the Man Lee. From AEW Dark and Friday Night SmackDown, Marcus Cross. Outlaw Randy Wayne. From AEW Dark, The Brolic, Tyson Maddox. The Gimmick Destroyer, Dave Stage, and many, many more stars. Be sure to follow them on social media via Facebook at Combat Pro Wrestling, Twitter at Real Combat Pro, and on Instagram at Combat underscore Pro underscore Wrestling. To find out more information on superstars that will be added and when the tickets will be on sale. I am so excited to be part of this show. I look forward to ring announcing and I also look forward to seeing all of you in Taylor, South Carolina as we do a benefit show for the Eastside High School weightlifting department. So come on out for a great show and let's help the students of Eastside High make some motherfucking Games. I've tried, 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 and I've tried even more. I've cried, 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 and I can't recall what for. I press, I push, I build, I beg, hope it's some success. The inevitable fact is that it never will. 
fucks to give My fucks have all run dry I've tried to go fuck shopping But there's no fucks left to buy I've got no fucks to give The more fucks I've tried to get I'm over my fuck budget And I'm now in fucking debt everybody this is Vinny Bucci aka the Booch and welcome to the Booch cast this week ladies and gentlemen as you can see from the title and what went down uh, last night in the world of wrestling we're doing things a little bit different this week here on the Booch cast uh, normally this is where I'd be welcoming you guys to NXT but we had a special event take place for the first time since the Wednesday Night Wars NXT and AEW aired on the same day so obviously when I found this out I was like okay how are we going to work this out or figure this out or watch both at the same time and then it hit me I have dual monitors in my studio so we put NXT on one and AEW on the other I say we because I have a I invited Zach over to the house 
And um, basically, we got a lot of stuff done uh, today at the time that we're recording this. We got a, uh, we did some video recording for a special project that I'm not going to reveal right now. But when you see the Steroid Trials episode of Boochcast Review's Dark Side of the Ring, that's when you will hear what that special project is. So Zach and I got some of that done earlier today. We went out and got some lunch. And then we watched NXT and AEW. So what we're going to do is... We're going to put both episodes on this one track. So we're going to do the recap of NXT right now. Then there's going to be a little bit of a song break. And then we're going to jump right in to AEW. So with that said, welcome to the recap of NXT. And of course, ladies and gentlemen, joining me here on the Boochcast, he is the NXT correspondent. He's been woken. Yep. He's been broken. Absolutely. And now he's just broke. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the Boochcast. Finally back in studio, the one, the only, the broke soulless ginger, Mr. Zach Scott. What's up, dude? Do that. Yes, it's me, the broke soulless ginger, Zach Scott. Genius speaking. I'm not that broke. Vinny. Oh, here we go. Yep. And we are going to kick things off. This is, of course, the go-home episode before Halloween Havoc this Saturday. So a lot of action went down and we see the entire Judgment Day making their way to the ring as we have our first official match of the evening, a pick your poison match. Rhea Ripley goes one-on-one against Roxanne Perez. No, for uh, how tiny Roxanne Perez is, she put up one hell of a fight. Because Rhea Ripley is why, frankly, Rhea Ripley, I love you to death. Don't get mad what I'm about to say. You're a big bitch. I mean that in the most nicest of ways. This right here was fantastic. It was with kicks and uppercuts. I mean, Roxanne Perez, she stayed off the top rope. Mostly. Try to stay about the top rope because she is a spot monkey. No offense, because she is. Anyways, it's back and forth, back and forth. But the strange thing is, Rhea Ripley won, which it should not have happened. Roxanne uh, Perez should have won. This is a go-home episode before Halloween happened. Why did they decide to do this? I don't fucking know. I'm not the one writing this shit. But I thought this was actually a pretty good opening match. Good start, shitty finish. Benny, your thoughts? Well, I can say this. I noticed something I haven't quite noticed in a very long time. Even though Rhea Ripley, yes, she is a big bitch. Um, But it's mostly in height. She is smoking hot in her new ring gear. I love it. Mm-hmm. It is so hot. It's one of those rare moments where I'm getting a hard on during the match. And that usually doesn't happen. I said during the match, Zach, it's gone down. It's gone down. So, but I enjoyed this match immensely. It had psychology. It had storytelling. My favorite moment is when Roxanne's going for a dive and Rhea Ripley before she just walks to the side and says, I ain't dealing with that crap right now. Moments like that make me laugh. I love those spots because it's showing realism in wrestling. I'm not going to stand there and catch you when you're clearly running at me. But eventually, you know, Roxanne was able to get her spot in, but it was done in a believable way. So that's what made it good. It was a fight. It was a brawl. These two women brought it to each other and of course as Zach said before Rhea Ripley had no business winning this match not at all because with all due respect to Rhea Ripley I get that the judgment day is on a roll I get the judgment day is doing a lot but 
Rhea Ripley herself is not really doing anything. She's basically been a valet for the Judgment Day while they've been feuding with Edge, with Rey Mysterio, and now with the club, the OC. So Rhea Ripley doesn't stand to gain anything from this win. It does nothing to help her. It does nothing to help the Judgment Day. So there's no logical reason for her to win. Rhea Ripley's not in line for any title shots. Rhea Ripley is not involved in any storylines that require her to be legitimately physical. I mean, yeah, she's been physical in a lot of the matches. And if you've heard me on the male soap opera moment, you know I don't fucking like it. I don't like the fact that she's manhandling a bunch of guys in the ring. But every time the guys get a chance to retaliate, they're paralyzed with chivalry and it's fucking retarded. So really, Rhea doesn't gain anything from this. It does hurt Roxanne Perez because it makes her look weak going into Halloween Havoc. So basically, if Cora Jade beats her on Saturday, you pretty much just buried Roxanne Perez because you've made her look weak again. So as great as this match was, having Rhea win was not the right decision at all. It was stupid, it was pointless, and it did nothing to help this storyline. So that was the bad idea there. Next, backstage, Cora Jade is all smiles as the replay airs. Judgment Day stands victorious on the stage. No one gives a fuck. Nope. All right. Next, we move on to the OC, who are warming up with Grimes. They talk about Schism and how Grimes has the hottest tag team in the business. Gallo says they are the buzz of the business. Grimes whips out a stack of hundreds. Anderson says, more importantly, they want to go to the moon. I thought this was actually pretty funny right there. Uh, Grimes was like, yeah, I need you guys help. Here, here's a couple hundred bucks. Please help me defend, beat these guys' asses. That's basically what he's going to say. And then the, you can see Luke Gow smelling him. I'm like, yay, and everything else. I got a lot of money now. Yay, even though you probably have more than the Grimes. But that's okay. I thought this was pretty funny right here. Just getting them hopped up for the match. Yeah, and of course he's waving the $100 bill and Gallows is like smelling it and getting all excited because they all about the paper, which I love, you know? Mm-hmm. It's funny. It's hilarious. It stays true to how wrestlers are. Yep. Because let me tell you something. There's a lot of wrestlers who love this business. There's a lot of wrestlers who love the fans. But there's one thing all wrestlers have in common. They are about this paper. So I love it. It's hilarious. It was entertaining. It was a great segment. And it was showing a, a good form of solidarity before the, the big six man. So next, we cut to Tony D'Angelo and Stax as they make their way out. Tony D says uh, he will reveal Stax's opponent after the commercial break, which I thought was hilarious. Mm. So we take a break, we come back. Before we do that, backstage, Grayson Waller talks to Mackenzie Mitchell about how he's going to beat Apollo Crews again at Halloween Havoc. Chucky interrupts on the TV behind him. Chucky confirms the match will be spin the wheel, make the deal, bout. Chucky laughs as Waller panics. I thought this was funny as hell for the, except for the fucking Chucky part. Not a fucking word. But I thought this was actually pretty funny because as soon as he saw that evil little fucking doll, Grace Rawl did the typical hill thing and started panicking. I thought this was funny as shit with the spin the bill and make the deal about. Manny, go ahead, get it done with. Zach, just because Chucky has red hair doesn't automatically mean that me or anybody else is going to try to compare you to Chucky. This is something you have developed in your paranoid mind. If anything, I do it because you pretty much pressure me to do it because of how annoyed it makes you. But again, NXT is on the USA Network. Chucky is on the USA Network. Chucky is a horror movie icon. Halloween Havoc is about horror and spookiness. It makes logical sense for Chucky to get involved 
in NXT business. It helps because it's a cross promotion on the USA Network. It allows them to promote the Chucky show for USA Network while also doing their job. It's no different than when AEW made the theme of one of their shows that fucking dragon shit from a spinoff of Game of Thrones. Yeah, I remember that. They did that stupid shit. Why? Because that Tale of the Dragon, Return of the Dragon, whatever the fuck that stupid show is called, they were promoting it for TBS. So it made logical sense. Simple as that. Okay. So it's good promotion. I thought it was very good promotion. And again, I like spin the wheel, make the deal, because that means there's going to be some crazy stipulation added to this match. Yep. Which is going to make it more intriguing. Very true. So anyway, we cut back to the ring with Tony D, the Don of NXT, as he's about to announce who Stack's opponent's going to be. And then all of a sudden, we hear some familiar music, and it's Shitsuke Nakamoron, who comes out to a big pop as he is once again competing in NXT for the first time in a long time. And we have our next match of the evening, Channing Stacks Lorenzo versus Shitsuke Nakamura. The only thing entertaining about this match was Shitsuke Nakamura's interest music. Vinny and I were like singing along to it, bobbing our heads. That's about it. I was like, really? You, you have to make this happen? You gotta go, you have to have the garlic bread going against the sushi? That's okay though. So it was back, forth, back and forth. I was like thinking, please Stax win. Please let Stax win. But no, Shithead Nakamura won. Okay, but after the match, D'Angelo tells Stax that he is proud of him. So maybe he's not getting kicked out. Maybe he won't get punished from any more of these bullshit matches. Yeah, I mean, it was it wasn't an interesting match. I'll be honest. I, I didn't care. Me neither. I'm not a fan of Nakamura. No, I never have no, been. I think he's highly overrated because people see the guy from New Japan. All I see is a guy who doesn't speak English and basically just fucking phones it in and has crappy matches. He does the strong style bullshit. He basically brought the strong style bullshit to WWE. So already, I don't like him. Nope. I'm not a fan of strong style wrestling because they don't sell and nothing is believable. Nope. But Stax did put on the performance of a lifetime he in this did. match and did a hell of a job. That's true. He and, did. A, and of course, the Don couldn't help but be fucking proud, you know? Because mm -hmm. even though, yeah, look, Stax didn't win the fucking match, but hey, it still takes cojones to get the fuck in that ring, okay? <laughs> it takes a big set of spicy meatballs to get in that fucking ring and whoop somebody's ass that is known for being a former champion a guy who won the royal rumble still can't fucking believe they booked that shit and you know it, it, he is a he is a, a name in wwe as much as i don't fucking like him he's still a name so stacks put up one hell of a fight and the don you can respect a man who don't quit and has got fight in him because that's a man who's never gonna quit and a man who's never gonna quit that's a guy you fucking want on your thing. So a hell of a job there. The Don, he can pick him. Yes, he can. That's what it's all about. Absolutely. Couldn't fucking agree more. All I gotta say is, hopefully we see more stacks in the future. And I'm hoping the Don heals up so we can get back in that ring and get back to fucking business. Put a fucking title on this man already. What are you waiting for? He's got more. What for. He's got more skill in his fucking pinky ring than half this roster's got in their bodies. 
<laughs> Christ's sake. All right, then we cut to the backstage area. We have Axiom and Fraser discuss how proud they are of their best of three series. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, 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 blah. Mr. Stone and Von Wagner interrupt and put them down. Yeah, who cares? Boring. Moving on. This is a waste of fucking time. It was a waste of time. Waste of our time of our life. We're never going to get back. Okay, this was pointless. This was stupid. I don't give a shit about the Sinkar uh, uh, version 2.0 and the Spot Monkey person from Australia or England, Fraser. Who cares? Okay, done, done. Bye-bye. And then next, we move on to the next match of the evening. We've got Alba Fire versus Sonya Deville. Uh, do you call this a match? It was kind of short to me. Yeah. yeah I, was, I was like, okay, yeah, like Sonya Deville, I don't know why you're teaming up with them, but okay, we de- the Toxic Attraction doesn't need any more people there, and it sure as hell don't need a tag team title, the one tag team titles, but Alba Fire won, rightfully so, and, and then all of a sudden, the little cronies tried to attack her, she fought them off, and, and then, uh, Mandy Rose tried to come in and try to sneak attack her, and he, and, uh, Alba Fire said, yeah, try to see what happened with the baseball near her throat, so, at Halloween Havoc, we we need to see Alba Fire take that title away from Mandy Rose because it's, it, I'm done with Mandy Rose having the title. We all are. And here's what I'm going to say about this. The Mandy Rose promo was fucking pointless. And I'm going to tell you why. First of all, she came out. Love the outfit. Um, she's trying to say Alba made a, a big mistake abducting her. First of all, how the fuck did she get out? That's what I'd like to know. She says she wants to fight fire with fire. She's going to bring a ruthless side to her. And what happens? She takes everybody out with the bat. She puts the bat into Mandy's throat and she leaves the ring. And she holds the title to end the segment. So here's my question. Where's the ruthless Mandy Rose? True. See, this is the dumb shit that I see a lot in wrestling sometimes. You can't come back and say, I'm new and improved. I'm going to whoop somebody's ass. And then we don't see any whooping of the ass. That was a waste of fucking time. We didn't need to see that. It could have been better done by her being on a monitor via satellite. Like saying, hey, I finally broke free. I'm home now because I want to make sure I make it to Halloween Havoc or whatever. She didn't need to come out to the ring. There was no point to that. It was stupid. You're better off just having Alba just take out all the toxic attraction with the bat and that was it. Yep, that's pretty much all they needed to do. But they didn't do that now, did they? No, because they're stupid. Yep, I guess so. Okay, moving on. Yeah, so you get to the backstage area with Wesley and Oro Mensa warming up. They're talking about the tag match. Hazen Williams attack out of nowhere, and the brawl spills into the arena. So we move on to the next match of the evening. We got Wesley and Oro Mensa versus Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams. Spot Monkey's going against Ruffle Tumble, guys. I mean, Wesley and Oro Mensa, they put up a good fight, but you know what typical bullshit they do. They do Spot Monkey circus ass bullshit, and the Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams are actually, I don't know, Wrestling. But it was okay, it was okay. And uh, back and forth, I mean, Wesley and Ormissa and kicks and flips and bullshit. And Carmelo Hayes, Trick Williams like to use, use, like to use uh, fists and elbows. But the right from 2 1, Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams, there was a big brawl. Everybody was beating the shit out of everybody. So at Halloween Havoc, Bob Wagner needs to win that fucking title. I'm tired of all the spot monkey bullshit, and we'll see what happens and see what happens. Yeah, Von Wagner is the only guy in that group in that ladder match that is even remotely over and deserves it. Yes, very true. Carmelo Hayes, been there, done that, smoked it, humped it, called it an Uber. Uh, Wesley, no one wants to see him with anything. Oro Mensa, he is not interesting at all. 
And Nathan Fraser, we've already talked about him. So, yes, sir. Von Wagner fucking needs to win this. Yes, he does. He needs some gold around his waist, finally. Absolutely. Remember, like I said, all those spot monkey guys on top of the roast bar I said before, all Von Wagner has to do is go, is push, push the, <laughs> push the last, and all of them go like, dunk, 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 like dominoes. Yeah. And then, of course, they all came, everybody else came out. You know, Von Wagner and Fraser eventually did come out for a big brawl. Because, again, we got to hype up the fact that these are all the people in the match. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. Next, we cut to the schism. Who cuts a backstage promo on Grimes and the OC about the hypocrisy of Cameron Grimes saying he doesn't need anybody. Yet, when the schism attacked him, he ran into the arms of the OC. And they're basically saying they're going to destroy him and expose him. Yeah, sure. Another wonderful promo was, uh, was schism and uh, Joe Gay. Casey and uh, one hell of a promo, which moves on to our next match of the night. Well, before we get there, I will say I love the fact that Schism's starting to do promos like the old school Shield. Yeah. Where they're picking up a camera, looking into it, then putting the camera down and leaving. Mm -hmm. I kind of like that. Yeah. I like that the schism is adopting that since the shield does, is no longer around. Nope. And then, of course, Braun Breaker hypes up the KO show for later on, yes. talks about the unpredictability of it. He's seen every episode of the KO show, and he's ready for whatever's going to happen. Yes, 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 sir. And then we move on to the next match of the evening, the six-man tag, the schism versus Cameron Grimes and the OC. Loved it, did you? Amazing. It was a stellar fucking match. It was actually really good. We actually had some tag teams in there that doesn't do the spot monkey circus acts bullshit. Schism got a lot of moves in. Cameron Grimes and the OC got a lot of moves. It was physical back and forth. Those six gentlemen beat the living shit out of each other. And it was back and forth. It was punches and kicks. A couple uh, uh, off the top rope, but not a lot, though. But the right team won. Cameron Grimes and the OC. But it was actually fantastic. I loved it. And what I loved about it was um, Gallows pinning Jagger for the win. Yeah. Neither Cameron Grimes nor Joe Gacy ate the pin or tapped out in this match. Good. It was a member of the OC beating one of the Dyad, which is perfectly fine. Very true. In that regard, because the main people you don't want to mess up are Cameron Grimes and Joe Gacy, because they're the ones that are going to have some type of crazy one-on-one match later on. Very I believe they're true. fighting a Halloween Havoc, if I'm not mistaken. I think so, too. Yeah. Yeah. So it's going to be an interesting fight to see. And um, like I said, this was an amazing match. And it's, and it's always great to see, and I'm biased when I say this, it's always great to see Gallus and Anderson in the ring. Yes. I love the fact that they're back in WWE. Yeah, yeah, I do too. And they signed a huge-ass contract with them too. Yeah, they got about five years in, and there's I can't, and I know from a source, I can't reveal the source, and I can't reveal the details of what I know, but I will say that Gallus and Anderson did make the right decision going to WWE because there are plans for them. I can't say what it is because I'm, you know, sworn to secrecy from my source, but I will say they made the right decision coming to WWE. They are not going to get lost in the sauce. They are not going to get buried. They are not going to be one of those, it's not going to be like before where they were paid a bunch of money, sat at home, and then were let go due to budget cuts. They're sticking around and there is a plan. And Gals and Anderson to me are one of the best, if not the best tag team in WWE or in all of wrestling right now. They are definitely in the conversation and they deserve all the success that is coming their way so i i am so happy for this and obviously i'm biased because i've met gals and anderson in person i get along great with them they're tremendous human beings and i couldn't be happier for them i'm so happy for them agreed okay and on that note we cut to the backstage area with veer mahan who was asked about what he told sa 
Tonga last week. Veer says Mackenzie and the rest of the world will not get an answer as it was only for Sangha to hear. Sangha interrupts and says he's ready to listen. Veer is pleased and the two leave together. Which basically means these two are going to get back together and be a tag team. Hopefully they do show maybe we'll get some new tag team stuff in there. Absolutely. We, if there's one thing we need more of in WWE in general, it's tag teams. So if they're not going to go for the NXT title, I'd call them up. Yep. Make them part of either the Raw or the SmackDown tag team division. We need more tag teams because we're running out. Every every other division is covered right now. We've got men. We've got women. Now we need tag teams because the Usos are running out of challengers. Yes, they are. Eventually, maybe they'll lose the titles too, which I'm sick as well. Okay, moving on. Yes, we see a video package of Katana Chance and Caden Carter, who will be taking on Nikita Lyons and Zoe Stark. We find out that's going to happen next week on NXT, not at Halloween Havoc. Uh, we cut to a backstage contract signing between the two teams. Stark says they will prove the champs wrong next week. Carter says they're going to learn what it's like to think they're ready, but they're not. Lions and Stark say they are ready. They are ready, and I think Lions and uh, Lions and Stark need to take those tied titles from uh, from Chance and Carter. Those ladies put up. I've uh, been doing a great job with them, but I'm interested to see what happens because I like the kind of Chance and Katie Carter. For first, they were the jobbers, but also the jobbers become tag team champions because they're way over with the crowd. But the Key Alliance and Zoe Starks as well. So I'm very interested to see, and I am going for the Key Alliance and Zoe Stark when they uh, defend, when they uh, challenge the tag team champions at Halloween Havoc. Hopefully it's a good match, not Spock Monkey bullshit. Well, they're not fighting at Halloween Havoc. They're fighting next week on NXT. Never mind. Oopsies. <laughs> But e- either way, we're going to see a great um, tag match. And I hope that Nikita and Zoe do walk out because even though I like Katana and Kaden and they've come a long way, Nikita and Zoe are very much over. So I feel like it's their time. Agreed. And on that note, we cut to uh, Julius Creed and Damon Kemp who participate in a sit-down split-screen interview, kind of similar to what Rollins and uh, Riddle did a few months back. Uh, Creed says his career is on the line, but he's going to use his nerves to crush Kemp. Creed runs down how Kemp betrayed him. Kemp says there are two sides to Julius, one of which is jealous of Kemp. Creed calls him a clout chaser. Kemp says this is an amateur match. It's an ambulance match. Creed says Kemp peaked in high school and isn't even the best athlete in his family. Kemp finishes by saying Brutus will be standing in the unemployment line because he'll need a job. This right here was fantastic. Julius Creed against Damon Kemp. Man, they have some vicious words to each other. And you know at this ambulance match in Hall Map, those two guys are going to beat the living shit out of each other. This is what I like to say. Psychology. Am I right, Benny Bucci? To an extent. Um... This is more storytelling than psychology. Fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. But this right here was great. I'm interested between to see Kemp and Julius, and hopefully it's a good match. Yes. The psychology aspect of this promo is the fact that Kemp is reminding him it's an ambulance match, which means it you can't pin me to win. You can't tap me out to win. You can't even knock me out to win. In order to win, you have to throw your opponent into the ambulance and close the door. That's the end of the match. That's how it goes now it's easier if you can incapacitate your opponent or if you get lucky and sometimes you're like um john cena where you have an ambulance match with kane you do an attitude adjustment and you put kane through the roof to put him into the ambulance yes so that technicality can work there 
But either way, this is going to be a violent match. Very and that's what it needs to be. This doesn't need to be a wrestling match. I don't want to see a wrestling match. I want to see a fight. Because, yes, they has fight. That's House what I want to see. Because this is too personal to be doing arm drags, suplexes, collar and elbow tie-ups. Mm-hmm. Fuck all that. Fight. Brawl. Beat each other to fucking death. This is too personal of a match. You can have the most technically gifted match at Halloween Havoc. It will still stink up the joint because you don't want to have that in a match this personal and where the only stipulation is lock somebody in a goddamn ambulance. Very true, sir. Now, next we move on to Alicia Taylor, who welcomes us to the host of Halloween Havoc. Once again, Shotzi. She lets out an evil laugh and talks about how she's the one W superstar that screams Halloween. She loved hosting back in 2020. Uh, John and I had a lot to say about that back then. (laughs) And wants to go even more balls to the wall this year. She'll get the last piece to her costume on Friday when she wins the tag titles from Damage Control. Zion Quinn interrupts and calls her the best host. Quinn pitches himself to be the co-host until... Quincy Elliott cuts them off. Quincy says he's a big fan of Shotzi and pitches himself to be the co-host. Shotzi says the winner of their match right now gets to be the co-host. Elliott sends Zion crashing out of the ring. So before we get to the match, what are your thoughts on this promo? I thought the promo was great. Uh, uh, Shotzi, she looks like she's the big in the Halloween horror. She's covered with tattoos. Look at her hair for Christ's sake. Everything was fine and Danny. Zion Quinn comes out there. I'll be a co-host. And all of a sudden, wish I can say what I really wish I could say. Quincy Ailey comes out there. And Vinny, is he gay? I don't know. <laughs> it's a mystery. Or are you just very flamboyant? Right. Let's just go with flamboyant for now <laughs> until we find out otherwise. Okay. 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 And, okay, yeah. Great promo between those three. And, yeah. Moving on. Oh, God. This is weird. Yeah. <laughs> this was one of the weirdest things ever. I don't think Shotzi really needs a co-host. Um, and, again, Zion Quinn is dead and done. Yeah, pretty much. What did he, uh, who did he piss off? I don't know, but he has gone downhill ever since the ever since the Legato del Fantasma thing. Um, and of course, Quincy, he's just fucking weird. I don't know what the hell his deal is. I mean, if Shotzi's gonna have a co-host, it would make sense to have Quincy, because um, Quincy's got a personality that's built for that. But we do move on to the next match of the evening, if, if we even want to call it that. Quincy Elliott goes one-on-one against Zion Quinn. No, this was not a match. This was bullshit going against Quincy Elliott and Zion Quinn. Zion Quinn, did you do something wrong to go through this much bullshit? So basically, what is it? Zion Quinn got a couple licks in. At least he got that. At least it wasn't a total squash, but nine times out of ten, it was. I thought this was bullshit. I thought this was horrible. Quincy Elliott... You disturbed me. I don't know what to say about you. But anyways, I thought this match fucking sucked. Vinny, your thoughts? Stupid, boring, unnecessary. Why the heck is Hank Walker even out here to stop Zion from grabbing a chair? I don't know why Hank is here. Me neither. This is this was stupid and a waste of time. Yep. Again, Shotzi did not need a co-host. No, I mean, it not. does make sense for Quincy to be it, but this was a waste of time. Not True. interesting. No, and, no interesting at all. And I expected better on a night where you're competing against AEW. Very true. But I do think that explains so many of these main roster appearances tonight. Yep, as well. True. Okay. Moving on. Yes. 
Okie dokie. And now we move on to Thea Hale, who is down <laughs> about losing to Kiana James. Chase starts class on Halloween Havoc, and we see some historic moments from the past, like Hogan versus Ric Flair in the steel cage at Halloween Havoc 1994. Uh, we also saw from 98, Diamond Dallas Page versus uh, Goldberg. Mm-hmm. And then from 97, we also saw um, Eddie Guerrero versus Rey Mysterio, which, by the way, side note, on Halloween, October 31st, for the classic pay-per-view review, Gator and I will be reviewing WCW Halloween Havoc 1997. Mm-hmm. I am currently in the process of editing that episode, but it will be coming out on Halloween. Yes. So be prepared to check that out. So that's a little Halloween Havoc plug right there. Yes, sir. Then, in the midst of all this, we see the return of the killer doll Chucky, okay. who interrupts, which prompts Bodie to yell at the screen, Chucky cusses him out and says, now that is a teachable moment. This right here, was, of course, with Chucky, was funny as shit. Uh, and there was a bunch of bad language in the Thea Hall. Cussed and we we're like, huh, potty mouth, swear jar, swear jar, trail jar. That's 25 cents. This right here was funny as shit. I like the hell out of it. That's funny. Well, obviously people were shocked because usually Andre Chase is the one that's cussing and dropping F-bombs in the class. Mm-hmm. But it also makes sense for Chucky because, let's be honest, Chucky loved to cuss everybody. He he always was ne- he was never afraid to tell somebody, fuck you or you're an asshole or whatever. You know, I even remember one of my favorite scenes from Bride of Chucky when he's locked in that crib yeah. and he has the speaking spell. Yeah. And he goes, spell woman. B-I-T-C-H. Wrong. Incorrect spelling. <laughs> That's my, fa- oh, my funniest scenes right there. Yeah. My brother and I quoted that all the time. Because yeah. <laughs> it was fucking great. Um, um, Tiffany, where the fuck are you? Five-month little fucker. <laughs> <laughs> it was amazing. So, again, the Chucky plug is perfect for this. I hope we see more of him at Halloween Havoc. Yeah. Hell, I'd like to see him host one day. That'd be funny as shit. That'd be awesome. Yes, it would. Yes. And on that note, we move on here to the next match of the evening. We got, if we even want to call call it that, that, Raquel Rodriguez goes one-on-one in a pick-your-poison match against Cora Jade. No. Do you call this a match? No. It was ended quickly, which is bullshit, because this was not supposed to happen. This is the go-home show. All right. And now you're doing this. You should have put up a better fight, Cora J, but Cora J won by TQ because Roxanne's pride got in the way. It chases away with a stick and uh, Raquel lets Roxanne to stand tall. But this match was fucking pointless. I did not enjoy it. I was like, okay, boring. Smoke break, piss break. Okay, set done, match. Moving on. It was dumb. <laughs> Idiotic. The match barely went anywhere. And to top it all off, it ends in a DQ. Because, you know, the stick comes in, pisses off Raquel to the point where she beats Cora with it. And then the ref calls for the bell. So Cora J wins by DQ. Now, I will say from a finish standpoint, that that makes sense because at least it gives Cora a win without burying Raquel. So I like that. The only, but the only good thing that we got out of this overall segment was Roxanne Perez attacking Jay. Yeah. And chasing her away with the stick. Yeah, that's true. Because at least it gave Roxanne some salvation from the bullshit loss she got at the beginning of the show. That's true as well. It that was stupid. It was pointless and it hurt her. But. She got some bit of a reprieve, but that still doesn't change the fact that Roxanne needs to win this Saturday at Halloween Havoc. Yes. That needs to happen. Yes. 
Yes, 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 yes. Nah, 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 nah. Yes. And I want my scalps. Anyways, moving on. Yes. And um, we then we move on to the next segment. We have another contract signing with pretty deadly Idris and Ophi and Malik Blade. Basically, you know, Idris and Malik are ready for their tag title shot. And they said they've seen pretty deadly schedule and they're not intimidated. And pretty deadly basically said, you guys are number one contenders for the tag titles. Get used to this because it's the closest you'll ever get to these titles because you're not winning. Yeah, I 100% agree with Freddie Deadly, a.k.a. the Motley Crew wannabe looking groupies that you know Sanofi and Malik Blade are not going and if they do win, that's a mistake. But we don't do the writing and we've been shocked before and I'd never thought in a million years I'd go for fucking Pretty Deadly. Okay, whatever. Yes, boy! Yes, boy! Now, they have pretty much announced at first I'm sitting here going, these matches are next week. What the fuck is going on? Why are they not at Halloween Havoc? Then we find out they're trying to do a theme for next week, which is Tag Team Title Tuesday because both these tag title matches will be taking place next week on NXT. Oh, okay. So, they're trying to do a theme here and I guess it makes sense okay then they go down the card and then they announce there's gonna be a kickoff show with Mackenzie Mitchell Sam Roberts from the Sam and Jim show and special guest David LaGreca from Busted Open Radio oh don't know who those people are but okay um, well, Sam Roberts is a big radio personality. He's also a wrestling fan. He has his own separate, like, podcast show on SiriusXM, but he also does a radio show with Jim Norton. Okay. So, that's where he's from. Mackenzie Mitchell, you know who she is. She's the backstage interviewer. Yep. And Dave LaGreca works on Busted Open Radio with his co-host, who's uh, Bully Ray. Oh, okay. Oh, that's right. I heard about him. Okay, yeah. I heard about that. I so, we then find out about Briggs and Jensen. Oh, Jesus fucking Christ. Who are having a chug, a backstage party, and they get Eichmann Jiro oh. to chug at the party and do a bunch of goofy shit. You know, their thing is fine, Dane, when we saw those two guys, and all of a sudden we had to see the jacket fucker, and then that, no, 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 yeah. no, no. No? Yeah, jack it off. Jack it off. We don't need that. Jack it off. Yes, thank you for the... Thank you Thank you for doing the literal to my innuendo. You're so very welcome. Yeah, the... Do you like it? No, not really, because it was meant to hide that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) you killed the bit by revealing the real thing. Oh, the thing sucked anyway. That's... No, I'm just saying, that's like saying, hey, I'm choking the chicken. You're like, yeah, we're masturbating. Yeah, you just explained what the fuck we were doing. There we go. Choke the chicken. Yeah. And on that note, we cut to the KO show. Again, another moment here to try to try to get the ratings up. Kevin Owens was here to mediate the face-off between the three challengers for the NXT Championship. Mm-hmm. Braun Breaker joins Kevin Owens, JD McDonough, and Ia Dragunov in the ring. K.O. butchers J.D. last night before J.D. says he's walking out with the title on Saturday. Ilya says he intended to hit J.D. before, but he's not sorry about hitting Breaker. Ia says he will recapture what should have been his in the first place. Breaker brings up how he speared Ia last week. Braun says if he wants a friend, go get a dog. Owen intervenes and turns the focus back, putting down McDonough. Kevin brings up how J.D. is hoping to sneak in and steal the title when Braun and E are busy tearing each other apart. Kevin says no one, including JD's own mom, wants JD to win the title. Not even former NXT champions. Ia brings up how Braun lost the title in the last triple threat match he was in. Braun's facing Ia as Kevin clears the ring. Ia and Braun get pulled apart by security as JD watches. Ia takes Braun down and then headbutts JD. JD is taken down with a headbutt as well. Ia stands tall with the title until Theory enters and teases cashing in on the NXT title to close the show. This right here was great to close out the uh, to close out the show. Everybody was saying, 
Yeah, I meant to hit you. No, I meant to hit you. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I am sorry for hitting, but no, I'm not really sorry for hitting you. Usually when it comes to these, I don't like triple threat matches, especially for tag, for a title. But with this one, it kind of makes sense and it kind of doesn't. And the thing was great when the Eero, when I can never say this dude's last name, Dragonoff, I'm just going to say Dragonoff, and then we're going at it. Theory had to come down there. I am sick. 6616 Theory have that fucking briefcase. You know who should have it? Hey, Vinny, you're not going to like who I'm going to say. I should have, I should go to Matt Riddle. Just saying a lot of people like it better except for you. That's all I have to say. But this right here was fucking stupid and it was stupid because of Alistair Theory, he ruined it because I am not behind Alistair Theory having that fucking briefcase. No offense, I'm just not. I would give that briefcase to Nicholas before I would ever hand it to Matt Riddle. I know you would. Because either way, a child would be holding it. <laughs> Do not ever besmirch my podcast again with that slanderous filth. Bruh. Smut and filth! Not Bro. acceptable. Hey, I am putting an end to the smut and filth. It's your show. I'll stop. I'm sorry. Thank you. Lord, forgive me. Alright. Either way, I enjoyed this segment immensely. I like the intensity between Dragonov and Braun Breaker. JD McDonough is so out of place here. Very, very true. Kevin did everything he could to bury JD McDonough. But it didn't uh, work now, did it? Not I mean I mean it did. I mean like he Ish. made he made JD feel so irrelevant in this match. And you know JD I think that's his kryptonite is Dragonoff because obviously he was the one that drove JD out of NXT UK. So even though JD was keeping his cool in every other match he had, when Dragonoff came into the picture, it just sparked something in JD and it made him more vulnerable because his emotions sometimes are getting the better of him. But here's the biggest concern that I have. When the fuck did the NXT title become an option for a cash-in? What the fuck is Austin Theory doing here? At this point, there is only one logical explanation that I can think of for why they're doing this. And that's because they want Theory to cash the title in soon, but they know that deep down, he is not ready to be the WWE Universal Champion. Roman's not going to lose that belt anytime soon. As much as I enjoy seeing Logan Paul, I know he's not winning at Crown Jewel. I also know that if he did win, it wouldn't bother me. I'd have no objections to Logan Paul winning the title. A lot of people, but you and I don't. Yeah, well, a lot of people have objections because they feel like he hasn't done enough. Even though in two matches, he's been way more entertaining than most of the full-time roster. And that ev almost everyone who is credible was fucking destroyed by Roman Reigns. Uh -huh. He has smashed, bashed, and embarrassed everyone. There there's not a lot of options left. So I wouldn't care. But at the same time, I know he's not going to win. So I guess if they want Theory to be a champion, because this was obviously a Vince decision, they're probably going to make him cash in, become NXT champion, put Theory on NXT, because I feel like he could do more there. So maybe that's the reason. Yep, maybe. Other than that, I can't think of any other reason why you would waste a cash in on the NXT title. I think that's moistening or you can just do what Baron Corman did, cash in and lose. That's going to be fucking hilarious. I know, we're all waiting for that. Let's ha let's pray to the wrestling gods that happen, even though it might not happen. All right, then. Anything else you have to say, sir? Uh, no, uh, unless you got something to add. Nope. All right, well, that, ladies and gentlemen, will wrap up the recap of NXT. We're going to take a short break here, and when we come back, we'll get into the recap of AEW here on the Boochcast. So you guys sit tight. We shall return right after this. <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead and
don't do white music. I make fight music for high school kids. I put lives at risk when I drive like this. Get a slip disc from a limp biscuit disc. I just missed the gift list for Christmas gifts. So I get pissed and can't pick which wrist to slip. Little rich kids and cribs don't attempt the shit. Just step back while I prep up the pimp the spits. So I said to the girl, I'm like, what up, girl? Shut up, girl. Shut up a cut up squirrel. She screamed bloody murder so loud, everybody heard her. Slap me in the mouth and call me a nutty murderer. I moved on to two blondes. Kissing on a futon. Maybe. I looked at them both and I was like, look, check this out, thoughts. I'm looking for Cookie Puss. I need to speak to him immediately. They played my video on MTV last week. Just when I was thinking I was all that and then some, then comes Fred Durst. Yo, Shady, let me get some. Who knows what galaxy I came from? One where a bass drum hung from my high chair. Now I'm a nightmare. You stay right there. I got the fever for the flavor of a single. See me and Shady, I think we got a lockdown. Shocked by the sound, I got you cruising with your top down. These two blondes, I offer them both a drink. This you would think could get the party started. But instead, them girls turn their heads. Opened up the mouth, smelled like somebody farted. So it was time for me to move on. Shady said the living room was a dance floor. So turn me loose. I was cutting the rug with this chick. Bumped into this dude who was drunk and a prick. Rambling on about how he was gonna kill me. Wow, I spilled a drink on his shirt. But no, he insisted we should go. And before I could drop him, Shady had to clock him. The music stopped. The party stood in shock. So I looked around, grabbed the cutest girl and did the smurf. Single the roof. Just keep feeding me free drinks till I puke. And Fred will ask me to lead singing his group. I'm sitting at the barn, I'm not being approached. This Fred's over there stealing all of my hoes. Yo, Fred, save me some. I walked up to these Siamese twins and asked to have a threesome. So the two heads are better than one. Plus, I respect how y'all roll together as one. Got a slap in the teeth and a kick in the groin. Stood up like, hey, wait, where are you going? Oh, well, three strikes and I'm out. And I just struck out for times in a row. Ow. I ain't crying no more, fuck it, I'm chilling. Did a shot of Jay, fell asleep on the ceiling. See, I came from one where a bass drum hung from my high chair. Now I'm a nightmare. You stay right there. I got the fever for the flavor of a single. See me and Shady, I think we got a lockdown. Shocked by the sound, I got you cruising with your top down. These two blondes, I offered them both a drink. This you would think could get the party started. But instead, them girls turned their heads. Opened up the mouth, smelled like somebody farted. So it was time for me to move on. Shady said the living room was a dance floor. So turn me loose. I was cutting the rug with this chick. Bumped into this dude who was drunk. And a prick rambling on about how he was gonna kill me. Wow, I spilled a drink on his shirt.
Hello, and welcome back. Welcome back. To the Boochcast. Boochcast. During the break, we played the song Termilus by uh, Eminem and Fred Durst of Limp Biscuit. And um, some people remember this song, but a lot of people don't. Uh, Zach, do you know the story of how that song came about? No, but I think he's about to tell me. Well, of course I am. Uh, Here we go. I actually saw an interview of this on a TRL recently on YouTube. It was where it had Eminem and Fred Durst on YouTube. And they said that at the time, uh, they were actually very good friends. Like, obviously, at the time this interview was happening, they were good friends. But we know Eminem and Limp Bizkit have had a falling out. Or at least Eminem and Fred Durst have. Um, but at the time, they were really good friends. They met through Interscope. And they were working on a song together. Well, when they did Turn Me Loose, that was just them freestyling and fucking around. But apparently it leaked onto the internet. And when people heard it, people started playing it, and all of a sudden it became really popular. So that that's why it sounds weird, but that was just them fucking around having a good time. Like, hey, let's goof around and do a couple, you know, freestyles and everything. And then, obviously, they worked on the song they were doing together at the time. But that's really how that all came about, and I happened to enjoy that song. I listened to it a lot a few years back, and then I happened, I just kind of got reconnected with it again. Like a song you haven't listened to in a long time just pops up on YouTube, and you're like, wow, I haven't heard that in forever. So I played that and just started bobbing my head and was having a good time. Yeah, true. All right, all right, all right, all right. Fred Durst actually sounds good for once. Anyways, moving on. <laughs> yes, that was uh, Eminem and Fred Durst with Turn Me Loose here on the Boochcast. And now, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to get into the recap of AEW. And of course, uh, I am still here, as you can tell, with the broke soulless ginger, Zach Scott. Hello. And as we mentioned before, this aired on the same day at the same time. So we're literally watching, like, whatever the first matches were, we watched them simultaneously. We were flipping back and forth between the audio to get promos and stuff. Sometimes we had to listen to promos at the exact same time, which is weird. But on this show, this was due to coverage of the playoffs, and they decided to make this a, you know, top title Tuesday show where they're basically having four title matches on the show to try to get people to leave NXT and come to AEW. So they were basically in a ratings fight. So we kick things off with the first official match of the evening for the AEW Trios Championships. Death Triangle defends the titles against the best friends. Who gives a killer's fuck? This was your spot monkey circus act bullshit. And while we're watching this, we're watching Roxanne Perez and Reed Murphy go at it. I was like, this is good. This is crap. Am I right or am I wrong? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I was like, what the hell's going on here? Well, we're actually going to watch two women actually wrestle, and then we have to watch this circus act bullshit. Yeah, that's literally why we put the volume off on that and kept the volume on NXT. <sighs> Mostly because I also wanted to hear more of Booker T because this is the first time Booker T was doing the commentary since they split the commentators around. Yeah. Because sure. Wade Barrett's now on SmackDown. Yeah. Um, and this is more of a temporary thing until Pat McAfee comes back after the football season's over. Then we'll see where they... I think they're going to put Wade Barrett back in NXT and Booker T is going to go fuck off. I think that's what's going to happen. Well, hopefully it does because I like him commentating. I do too. I'm just saying that's probably how they're going to do it. But as far as this match goes, it was a waste of fucking time. Waste of our time and time that we'll never get back in our little lives. Exactly. There were just, it was just, you know, the circus shit that we always see. And in the end, Death Triangle retained their titles and nobody cared. 
need their paperweights. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. So then they have a video package hyping up the world title match between John Moxley and Hangman Page. John Moxley obviously talking about you know this being his hometown and how important it is for him to be defending the AEW World Title in his hometown because he left there with nothing. Mm-hmm. When he went to become a wrestler. Then we see an interview with Britt Baker alongside Jamie Hayter and Rebel. She says she's disgusted that she's not the interim women's world champion. And Baker and Hayter say that one of them will be the champion by the end of the year. Hopefully you're not DMD. I like it on who it is right now, Tony Storm. We'll get to that here soon. But this was typical bullshit heel promo from Britt Baker alongside Hayter and Rebel. Which I thought Jamie Hayter and Brett Breaker were not supposed to be getting along. Maybe J.D. Hayter can turn face and I don't know. Become a face. But I thought this was stupid. Uh, I did too. Entertain, inter, inter, interim world shot. Women's world. It's a women's world title, not the interim. Well, it actually is the interim women's title because Thunder Rosa is still the champion. She's out of action. So once she returns, whoever the interim champion is, I hope it's Tony Storm, those two are going to battle it out. And I hope Tony wins because I think Tony was supposed to beat Thunder Rosa before she got injured. And Tony has been doing a phenomenal job as champion. Now, if somebody is, is from Britt Baker's camp is going to win the title, I would rather be Jamie Hayter because I've seen enough of Britt Baker. Same here. Her title reign was way too long. It got stale. I'm not impressed with the DMD. Me neither. It's yesterday's news. Yes, it is. And on that note, we move on to the next match of the evening for the interim women's title. That ass, Tony Storm, defends the title against Hikaru Shida. One of the matches of the night. I thought these women beat the living shit out of each other. Did they not? It was amazing. It was amazing. Even though Shida is a Japanese from New Japan, she doesn't do that strong style bullshit. She actually wrestles. It's only one of the very few Japanese wrestlers that I like. These two women beat the living shit. Yeah, it was back row. It was doing suplexes. It was blows. It was uh, the kicks to the head. Thrown off the top rope. I mean, it was fantastic. And lo and behold, and winner still, AEW Interim World Champion, that ass, Tony Storm. Personally, uh, I mean, that should have been the main event, but that's just me. Yeah, that was not going to be the main event. It should have been. Or <laughs> second tuna. It was, yeah, it was not going to be the main event with what they had booked. Now, in hindsight, it, it was a better match, but... I'm just saying, when they put the card together, there was no way that was going to close out the show. But here's the ironic part, because we were saying before, we were watching both back and forth. The opening match, we had a women's match and a six-man tag. The women's match was better. We then moved on to the second match, and <laughs> the women's match was better than what we were seeing on NXT. Yeah, so you, you brought that up. I was like, yeah. wait a minute. And we both like, started laughing. Well, because Zach was saying the first match for NXT was great, and the first match for AEW was crap. Then we said, the second match for AEW was great, the second match for NXT is crap. And I said, yeah, and the good matches were both the women, <laughs> which was, I, I thought, funny and ironic. Yep. Very, Sorry very. about that, Gator. Yeah. The women put on a better match. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. They, it was great. Yeah, it was. It, it was a very good match. Very and good. in the end, um, Tony Storm deserved the win. Then, of course, Jamie Hayter and Rebel attack Storm after the match. Britt Baker comes to the ring wearing a Steelers jersey to try to piss off the Cincinnati fans. Soraya comes down the ramp and attacks Baker. They brawl. And then Rio comes to the ring. She takes Rebel down and sends Hayter to the outside. Rio dives onto Hayter at ringside. Oh, uh, yeah. Everything was fine and dang until Rio had to come down here and ruin it all. Right. 
right, Vinny Bucci. What the fuck is this bitch still doing in AEW? I don't know. I'm not doing the booking or the match or anything like that. I'm just here. This is another one of Kenny's Geisha girls that contributes nothing. That she's the first ever AEW women's champion. Which explains why your women's division was shit during that time. Number two. And it's not shit anymore, but it still needs a lot of improvement, okay? Rio is the worst women's champion in the history of AEW. The fact that she even has a contract shows what little respect AEW has for women's wrestling. Rio is an absolute disgrace. She looks like a child who jumped the guardrail. <laughs> In fact, when I first saw her in the ring, I thought a child jumped the guardrail. I'm wondering why is a child in this ring taking out Rebel and Hater? And then it's like, oh, no, that's Rio. But it does make sense. Kenny Omega is known for wrestling nine-year-old girls in a wrestling ring because he doesn't take the business seriously. So why not? This was a complete... The match was amazing. The post-match beatdown was fucking stupid. Very stupid. This is an embarrassment to the business. And it shows that AEW is the new place for sports entertainment. Mm -hmm. And then we see a promo from Wardjo, which we now know to be Wardlow and Samoa Joe, Discussing their feud with the kingdom and the embassy. And they vow to teach the kingdom a lesson. Joe says they picked the wrong people to mess with. Uh, good problem between two behemoth of a man going against the embassy, the kingdom, which is, uh, whoever on there. And then he's looking it up. Oh, there we go. Oh, it's Mike Beretta, his not so hot wife anymore, and somebody else. Yeah, basically the kingdom, at one point it consisted of Matt Hardy, Matt Taven, Mike Bennett, TK Orion, and Vinny Marsigella. And then, of course, uh, the manager for this group was Maria. Maria. Maria Bennett. Yep. Um, and, of course, the, we some people know Mike Bennett as the Miracle in Impact Wrestling and from the Kingdom and Ring of Honor. Unfortunately, WWE fans know them as Mike and Maria Kanellis and the Power of Love. That was that. That was that, so horrible. That was, their, that was them in that WWE. Was so many. It was bad. No, it was sad. It was very sad. Yeah. But now from this group, it's just Matt Taven, Mike Bennett, and Maria. They're the ones from the Kingdom who have now shown up in AEW. And okay. they pretty much showed up on Rampage. That's why we haven't really had a chance to talk about them. But I am glad the Kingdom's back together only because I feel like Mike Bennett and Maria Canellis Bennett deserve better than whatever fucking fucked up gimmick they had in WWE. This shot is horrible. And because Maria is one of the girls that spoke out against Vince McMahon, the odds of them going back to WWE are slim to none anyway. So next we cut to the backstage area with Renee Packett who interviews FTR and they make it clear that, that they intend to win the AEW World Tag Team titles. Swerve and Our Glory show up and Strickland says they're the rightful contenders. Lee says they deserve a shot. Hardwood challenges them to a number one contenders match for next week. Very good promo. We'll see what happens. That means if uh, FTR beats Swerve and Our Glory and rightfully they should, that means FTR if they could get beat the acclaim at the time who still has the tag team titles they'll have every single tag team title rather than the wwe's every single one of them and rightfully so they deserve to win right they're rubbing your eyes and you don't look too happy about this uh-oh here's here's what I, I'm, I'm gonna say and i've said this a million times before what the fuck does ftr have to do to get any fucking respect around here 
why does Tony Khan continue to treat them with such disrespect? The fact that they have not won the AEW Tag Team titles by now is goddamn ridiculous. And we know why they haven't won. Because the dumb fucks didn't have the fucking balls to put over a tag team that is 100% better than them in every aspect of the sports. They talk better, they wrestle better, they tell stories better, and they are more over with the crowd than they could ever dream of being. They are the best tag team in that company. With all due respect to the acclaimed, FTR is the better team. And they even said they've been number one contenders for a long time. They are ranked number one in the AEW rankings. And yet, they have still not gotten a title shot. We have seen multiple teams get shot to that title who are not even fit to carry FTR's bags into the fucking locker room. And still, they get no respect. Now, they have to have this number one contenders match, and, the, and, and I don't even want to see it. Because I got a feeling they're going to use this as a way to take the number one contendership off of FTR, give it to Swerve in our glory, so the Acclaim can whoop their ass again, and continue to be champions. Because again, Tony Khan doesn't have the balls to pull the fucking trigger. Because I don't give a fuck how over the acclaimed is. There's no way you're going to tell me they're going to get booed out of the building if FTR wins the tag belts. And I'll say this. If they do get booed out of the building, then AEW deserves to go out of business because the fans don't deserve them. Because the fans have clearly lost their ever-loving minds if you would deny FTR the tag team titles. There shouldn't be a number one contenders match. It should be acclaimed, FTR, full gear, FTR wins the belt, the acclaimed lives to get over another day. Because the acclaimed are a young tag team. They have a future. I don't know how much longer FTR has in this business. Zach, do you have anything to add? No, you pretty much said it. And pretty much said it there, man. Moving on. All right. I can't say anything else. You took the words right out of my mouth. So we cut to the backstage area. Dear God, help us all. Jay Lethal challenges Darby Allen to a rematch and says he can beat him anytime he wants. Allen says he beat Lethal again. Sanjay Dutt says they know Allen's weakness and a friend of theirs told him about it. Allen shoves them and they beat him up. Lethal slams Allen to a garage door. Dutt lowers the door on Allen's stomach, crushing his abdomen in the process. Lethal traps Allen in the figure four until officials break it up. Ah, boy. Poor little pincushion Darby Allen. Going against Sanjay Dutt. I swear to God, I'm going to take that pencil and shove it up his ass. Otherwise than that, the only entertaining thing was Jay Lethal and poor Darby Allen was getting the shit gabby at him. Hey, Sting, where the fuck are you at, Pushpatel? your uh, prodigy here at Evidently Impaling. You're no place to be fucking found, so this was stupid right here. Darby Allen, I hope we recover or not. I don't give a shit. Done. Yeah, a great segment by Jay Lethal and everything, but this is a waste of time. I don't want to see this fucking match. Nope, me neither. So next we cut to an in-ring interview. We got William Regal. Regal gets in the ring, but before he can say anything, MJF interrupts. He says he's not here to fight. He's here to talk. MJF has a story to tell and says Regal owes him that. He recalls how his trainers pulled him aside when he was 19 and they told him they got him extra work with WWE and the fans were booing and MJF says, look, you can hate them all they want, but at the time, they were the only game in town. MJF says he went to the show and Regal spoke to him and the group of extras. He noted that they had tryout matches in front of Regal and other coaches. MJF says he was fighting for a contract 
and he was fighting for his life because wrestling is his life. He says he won the match and Regal told him to follow him. MJF recalls how Regal pulled him into a separate room and told him to sell himself. Regal then told MJF to get him a job. But then he told MJF that he was too young. MJF described how Regal told him he'd put his name on him once he was old enough. MJF's Regal told him to send him his matches, and he did. He says Regal sent him a promo he has read every day since. He said Regal told him to make a name for himself, and he needed to become one of the best athletes in the world to get to WWE. MJF's Regal's email made him want to quit, and it made him want to kill himself. He says, now Regal is just a man who got fired. And he snuck into MJF's company. As for MJF, he's a generational talent. And Regal's former employers would take lives just to get him to sign a contract. MJF says now he reads the same email every day to get a laugh because Regal is a joke. MJF says he's going to win the world title. Regal responds and notes he worked at a carnival when he was 16 to break into the industry. He says he saw a megastar in MJF and he wanted to light a fire under MJF. Regal says if that email is what it took MJF to get to his point, he had it easy. He tells MJF he needs to practice because he shows he's a great talent. Regal says he's an ordinary, decent villain, but you put, never put your hand on someone like Tony Schiavone. He says MJF let him down because he took shortcuts. Regal says MJF hasn't proven himself yet because he hires people to do his dirty work and he uses his ring to knock people out. He tells MJF not to take shortcuts. Regal says MJF to beat everyone standing in front of him. He says MJF can show the world he's a devil right now. He turns his back and MJF puts his ring on and he reluctantly walks away. Regal says MJF still has a lot to prove. Beautiful. Was it not? Benny and I were watching it. We just looked at that. He goes, excuse me, round of applause for MJF, please. Beautiful right there. Absolutely. See, Maxwell, that's what I like you about. You didn't go off a really a tangent about him being British and maybe he shows some respect to the Sir William Regal. And I love the part where he kept on calling him Sunshine. 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 He's antagonizing. But this right here was brought up both these gentlemen, the, the rookie and the um, and the teacher were like yelling at each other and everything else. But I thought this was brilliant right here. These two to pull the roof off when it comes to our promos. Benny? It was MJF being MJF, and I liked it because it was real, and because it was based on a true story, and that's why MJF was willing to look Regal in the eye and say that, and take it to that level, because you're starting to see a different side of MJF, because here's the thing about MJF, he is a generational talent, mm -hmm. and he is a phenomenal heel. Yes, he is. But there's one problem. What's that? The fans love him too much. Now, you don't want to turn MJF full babyface. But I feel like this is a good way to get a little bit more of a babyface side to him. You know, he even brought up the line, ADD Riddle Jew Boy, from that promo he cut during the feud with CM Punk. Where he talked about being bullied in school. And how he had ADD and, you know, kids would throw corners at him and say, pick it up, Jew Boy, pick it up. And he, so when he mentioned that, it took you back to that moment. Because that other promo, besides this one, was the closest thing to a babyface MJF had ever been. So it was great storytelling. Like Regal knew how to get under MJF's skin. And it was beautiful. It was great storytelling. It's showing a different side of MJF, which makes him even more talented. It's a way to take the gimmick he already has and turn it from a heel to a babyface. And we get into more of that a little later in the show. But once again, MJF knocks it out of the park. Very, very true, sir. Very, very true. <clears throat> and then we cut to the backstage area with the acclaimed. 
who are backstage with Renee Packett. Bowen says they're going to face the varsity athletes, Josh Woods and Tony Nese, in a titles versus trademarks match on Friday. And when they win, they'll go back to scissoring. Um, no. I'm like, the client, if you guys don't need to waste your time with these two fucking jobber pieces of shit. So Hoffman on Friday, the claim beat the shit out of him, out of him, and get back to the uh, scissoring. Get back to scissoring. Get that back on. I don't really like it, but it's way over. And beat the shit out of these fuckers. This was totally stupid. I mean, it is stupid, but the storyline-wise, they own the trademark. So they have to go through this match to get the trademark back. And then get back to regular business. And that's all that really matters. Next, we have a sit-down interview, Brian Danielson and Wheeler Yuta. Danielson discusses his loss to Chris Jericho and says it wasn't ideal. His comments on Daniel Garcia's betrayal and notes he has high hopes for Garcia. He says he thinks Garcia could be the best wrestler we've ever seen with the right guidance. Yuta fires back and wonders how Danielson doesn't see Garcia's actions coming. He calls Garcia a snake. Yuta says he thought bleeding for the BCC meant something, but apparently doesn't mean anything to Danielson, and he gets up and leaves. Man, this right here was okay. I mean, like, yeah. I don't know why Danny Garcia went was a face that goes back to a hill and Wheeler Lula thought bleeding for the BCC meant something but apparently doesn't mean anything to Danielson so this means Willie Eustace and Daniel Bryan might be having a match and maybe Willie Eustace can go do his own thing because I don't know why he's in the BCC I don't either he's one of the guys that Danielson looked at because they mentioned three Danielson mentioned three wrestlers he wanted to be part of the BCC and that was Wheeler Useless Daniel Garcia and Lee Moriarty who's in the firm so basically Danielson sees a lot of himself in Garcia and is still trying to convince himself that Garcia can be part of the team but Wheeler Yuta's like why the fuck are you obsessing over this he turned on you maybe you should care more about the people on your team instead of some random guy it's like Yuta's like if you don't if this doesn't matter to you then either I need to leave or maybe Danielson needs to get the fuck out okay yeah I agree 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 with you sir yes sir yes sir sir with me back for Okay. And on that note, we move on to the next match of the evening for the Ring of Honor World Championship. Chris Jericho with Jake Hager defends the title against Dalton Castle with the boys. I don't know who Dalton Castle was, but he impressed the living shit out of me. And then he had a slant on, oh, he's a weird fucker, but he's good in the ring. Absolutely. And then these two guys tore the roof off. I mean, there was back and forth, back and forth. There, there were strikes, there was kicks, there were suplexes. And once again, for Chris Jericho, for his age, he moved and hit the juice effect. One, two, three. You really think that I'm going to let him lose it to the, to the castle? No. No. And I have to say, those boys kept on fucking with Hager. <laughs> they couldn't take his hat. <laughs> yeah. Well, the boys were always weird. And like I said, Dalton Castle's always been a fucking weirdo. If you've heard me in the past, this is for longtime Boochcast fans. If you were listening back in 2014, when we were in the early days of Blah Talk Radio, you know that I've watched Ring of Honor for a full year. I recapped Ring of Honor on many occasions during the Blah Talk Radio days. I watched for about a year and then I stopped because after a year I arrived at the conclusion that Ring of Honor was a shit show. And it was. Mostly because Kenny and the Bucks were on it. But it was a lot of other reasons. But Dalton Castle was one of the few people during that time that I found to at least be interesting. Because everybody else was void of personality because Ring of Honor didn't really let people explore their personality because there weren't a lot of promos. It was mostly just match, 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 match. Which I know that target audience enjoys that. They'd rather see wrestling than talking. But what a lot of those fans don't understand is you need the talking to tell the story 
to make the match more exciting. Otherwise, you're just two people wrestling. And that's only entertaining for so long. After a certain point, it's like, why are they even fighting? They're doing the same shit they did last week. Nope, sorry. Been there, done that. See ya, Pimpin. <laughs> we keep it pushing around here. Pushing, so, pushing, pushing. So I enjoyed seeing Dalton Castle back in the ring. And him and Jericho had a great match. And I knew Jericho was going to win. Because first of all, Jericho's not even close to being done with his reign of terror on the Ring of Honor champions. And also, Dalton Castle, as great as he is, is not a big enough star to dethrone the Ocho. So I knew that Jericho was going to win. What I wanted to see was, could Dalton Castle still put on a good match? And the answer is yes, he can. He's got a weird, goofy gimmick, but he knows how to work in a ring. And that's good enough for me. It's good enough for me as well. Next, Jericho celebrated Jericho Appreciation Society. He vows to desecrate the legacy of Ring of Honor. He moves to attack Ian Riccoboni at the commentary table. Jerry Lynn stops him, and Jericho drops him with a tombstone pile driver. Why? I don't make no sense. I even I like okay, whatever. It was like okay, Chris Jericho, you just get heat, and you're gonna get yelled after this later. I was like, you did something wrong. I don't think you're allowed to do that. <laughs> Put your hands on the uh, announcers. I was like, no. Don't don't put your hands on the announcers. You're not allowed to do that. Don't do that. Well, he already hit the Judas effect on the ring announcer before. So now he wanted to take out the commentator because he wants to take out everybody ever affiliated with Ring of Honor. So it made sense for him to want to attack the commentator. But Jerry Lynn came out to stop him. Now, Jerry Lynn is a former Ring of Honor world champion. Here's the problem, though. Jerry Lynn doesn't wrestle anymore. And I don't know if he's ever going to get back in the ring. So this was a good way for Jericho to take out another former Ring of Honor world champion because he was not going to work a match. The other problem is the majority of the Ring of Honor world champions are in WWE now. So unfortunately, they will not be part of Jericho's Ring of Terror. And on that note, we cut to Christian Cage alongside Luchasaurus. Uh -huh. He discusses his future with Jungle Boy and says reality will slap Jungle Boy in the face. Uh, all right. Uh, once again, typical heel with Christian Cage, along with his uh, with his boy, Luchasaurus, and and this feud with Jungle Boy is not over yet. I think we might see one more match between Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy. As soon as Christian Cage gets killed, it will be Jungle Boy against Christian Cage to make Christian Cage finally do one thing: shut the fuck up. Can we just book this thing for full gear already? And get it done. Let's get your arm back ready out of that sling. Curse your case. You start to look like an upside diamond. This is fucking stupid. Stupid, 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 stupid. I mean, unless Christian is still legit injured and not going to get back in the ring, this is her goddamn ridiculous. Can we just book this for full gear and get it over with? Or are we going to drag this out till fucking what? Revolution? No, they need to do it by full gear and be done with it. Because after full gear, the next pay-per-view is Revolution. Because you, they, Christian and Jungle Boy cannot have their final battle on free TV. No, they cannot. You cannot fucking do that. It will be one of the dumbest booking decisions AEW's ever done. And they have done a lot of stupid booking decisions. Very stupid booking decisions. Next, we cut to the backstage area with Jade Cargill who gets upset when Lila Gray and Kiera Hogan show up without the TBS championship. She says she will hijack AEW Rampage on Friday if she doesn't get her title back. I don't give a bitch fuck. I don't think I ever saw this. Was I in the bathroom or was I not paying attention? I don't know. I, I, don't, I think I missed it. 
I think we both missed it. Do you care? No, uh, it's on. First of all, it's on Rampage. Second of all, it's a TBS Championship. Third of all, who gets it's Jay shit? Cargill. So, uh, yeah, slap hands. Who gets a third of this? Yeah. Part? Okay, moving on. Cut the shit. Bye bye. <laughs> and on that note, we move on to the main event of the evening for the AEW World Heavyweight Title. John Moxley defends the title against Hangman Adam Page. These two beat the living shit out of each other. Hangman Adam Page, when you want to talk shit, okay, let's get this started. And they started the before they even got in the ring. Back and forth. I mean, he got on that top of the entrance thing and dove on top of him. Then Moxley did the same thing. But of course, one thing I'm tired of with John Moxley when he does these titles is the fucker always have to have the crimson mask. Apparently. I, I, okay, you're starting to look like an emo kid. No offense. Anyways, um, it was good. But all of a sudden, how did it end? I didn't see um, Hangman Adam Page get hurt at all. Maybe I blinked or looked down checking my email or checking my Facebook. Did he actually get hurt? Hurt? Like, how'd that happen? I didn't see it. Apparently, there was a vicious clothesline. He landed on his head. Ooh. Like, you know a lot of times when Monty hits a clothesline, it turns the guy inside out and he kind of flips? Yeah, 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 yeah. I think Page landed on his head. Oh. Ow. So, oh. It, looked, it looked bad. They couldn't tell if it was his neck or concussion or what, but the referee calls for the bell for the orders of the ring physician uh, because Hangman is unable to continue moxley retains the AEW title so basically they has fight yes, they did. someone gets knocked out and the match you've been advertising for two weeks basically goes to shit goes to shit this is why you shouldn't do stupid shit in a goddamn wrestling ring absolutely seriously i mean don't get me wrong i feel bad for adam page i hope he feels better but i w- i hope now they stop doing this stupid fucking move it's a clothesline just take a regular fucking bump. But no, they gotta make it over dramatic because they wanna be acrobats instead of goddamn fucking wrestlers. Very true, sir. So, great match, shitty fucking finish. Real shitty finish. I wanna see a one, two, three on a tap out, but oh well, what can you do? Yeah. Officials check on Paige. The broadcast team runs through the lineups for the next episodes of Rampage and Dynamite. Moxley wishes Paige well and says it's a dangerous game, so you need to have guts to play it. Obviously, Moxley's trying to cover this up. Moxley brings up MJF and dares him to cash in his title shot. MJF comes to the ring with his chip alongside a referee. The match is seemingly set to begin, but MJF leaves the ring. He gets a microphone and says he wants Moxley to be 110% when he uses his title shot. He says he doesn't want there to be any excuses or any doubt when he beats Moxley. MJF announces that he'll cash in the title shot at full gear. And for the first time in his miserable life, he's going to earn it. And Moxley, the only thing you're going to earn is a beatdown courtesy of the world champion. Uh, yeah, I saw this right here. Uh, seriously, seriously, for a second there, I thought MGF was going to cash in that chip. But one of them was like, no, 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 no. Don't do it. He's like, you know what? You're right. I don't want you 50%. I want you at your 110%. So at full gear, MGF is going to cash in his chip, and we will see Moxley against MGF for the AEW World Heavyweight Championship. And hopefully, MGF finally fucking wins some gold. Yes. It is now time for Maxwell Jacob Friedman to be the world champion. Agreed. And I love this because at first it seems like MJF is going to be a coward and duck Moxley, but it makes it seem like William Regal's words were buzzing in his head, don't take any more shortcuts. So he says, no, I don't want to take a shortcut. I don't want an excuse. So that's why I'm going to cash in at full gear and I'm going to earn it. And that right there, that is MJF being a fucking babyface. Yes, it is. Without diminishing his character. 
He's basically saying, look, William Regal says I take the easy way out. He's not impressed with me. Well, guess what? I'm going to prove once and for all that I don't need to take shortcuts and I don't need help. I'm going to beat Moxley at 100% at full gear. And when I win that title, I will have earned it. And no one will be able to say MJF cheated. MJF's a coward. MJF's a paper champion. Whatever they want to call him. MJF wants to walk out the world champion. This was a brilliant way to end a show that already ended on a bad note. This this made up for it, and it was perfect because now we got full gear. We got our main event set because MJF should be the world champion, but he needs to win it on fucking pay-per-view. You make the audience pay money to see it because that is good business. Very good business, sir, and this right here was fantastic. MJF is becoming a babyface. Or maybe not babyface, like an anti-face, anti-hero. You know what I mean. Yeah, I I hate that word, anti-hero. Because I feel like too many wrestlers are trying to pull the anti-hero because nobody has the balls to be a clean-cut, a clear-cut babyface. All right, all right, all right, all right. So I'm always like, you know, grow a set and be a fucking babyface, all right? Absolutely. Stop making fucking excuses. But anyway, that, ladies and gentlemen, will wrap up this recap of AEW and this special uh, joint recap that we did today. Very uh, true. Zach, as always, I think you're taking time out of your busy schedule to join us for this crazy night, and uh, hopefully we'll see you on the next one. Absolutely. I will be here, or I'll be on the phone. All right. Well, make sure you guys follow the Boochcast. We're on Anchor. Anchor. Spotify. Spotify. Google Podcasts. Google Podcasts. And iHeartRadio. And iHeartRadio. Pick your favorite hosting site and follow us there, or be a super fan and follow us on all four hosting sites. Also, like us on Facebook. Go to facebook.com slash theboochcast. We have archived episodes of the show as well as great content. One thing you'll find on there is the flyer for the big announcement that I made uh, earlier this week, which was the fact that Boochfest is coming back, ladies and gentlemen. That's right. The comedy show that I've hosted back in the day, I have made a deal with the Anchor Bar in Kennesaw, Georgia, and I will be hosting Booch Fest. This will be a bi-weekly comedy show that I will be hosting, and I will be showcasing some of the biggest names in Atlanta comedy, as well as the young up-and-comers who are trying to be the future. And this will be taking place at Anchor Bar Restaurant and Sports Bar at 2708 Town Center Drive, Kennesaw, Georgia, 30144. Again, that address is 2708 Town Center Drive, Kennesaw, Georgia, 30144 at the Anchor Bar. And the first show will take place on Thursday, November the 3rd at 8 p.m. So, come on down, order some food and drink, and sit in the audience if you want to see a great comedy show. And if you want to try your luck and get on stage, come sign up or feel free to message me in advance and let me know that you're interested and I'll uh, give you all the information you need. So whether you've been doing comedy for a long time or if you're ready to step on stage for the first time ever, come on down to Booch Fest. Also on, also on the Facebook page, you'll be able to see uh, the latest episode of the Male Soap Opera Moment coming soon because uh, Wens and I this week will be doing our recap of WWE Extreme Rules. So make sure you check that out. All that coming to the Boochcast Facebook page. Also, make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Boochcast. Get the latest tweets, photos, and videos. Visit our YouTube channel, 
Check out all of our YouTube content and be sure to hit the subscribe button and ring that bell to be notified when future content will be posted. Uh, this Thursday, we've got uh, the latest episode of Booch Cast Reviews, Dark Side of the Ring with Bikers, Bombs, and Bedlam, the story of Johnny Canine drops this Thursday. Also, we got The Many Faces of Luna Vachon coming out next week. We got XPW the week after that. And The Steroid Trials, which Gator and I finally finished recording. I'm going to be editing that and posting that to the YouTube channel. And that'll be coming out the week after the XPW episode. So be sure to come check all that out on the YouTube channel. We also got other great YouTube content to check out there as well. And, of course, you can follow us on Twitch. Go to twitch.tv slash theboochcast. That's where we do our live wrestling watch parties. Our next watch party will be Saturday, November the 26th, for WWE Survivor Series, where they will be debuting for the first time on the main roster. The War Games will be taking place. And, of course, the Boochcast team will be together for this. And I know I said there's been some uh, things we need to work out. Well, I can tell you this. They've all been worked out. And the team will be together. All of us will be together for the Booch cast. Where will we be? That remains to be seen. But one thing's for certain. It will be in Atlanta. And we'll all be together. Yep. And of course, we got our live D&D show coming soon as well. As well as the Booch cast booking battle. And another special project we got in the works that you guys are guaranteed to enjoy. And of course, you can support the Boochcast by going to anchor.fm slash theboochcast slash support. Become a supporter of the Boochcast. Support this podcast with a small monthly donation to help sustain future episodes. We have three levels you can donate at. Uh, the first level is for 99 cents, $1 a month. Uh, the second level is $4.99, $5 per month. The same amount of money you would pay for a Peacock subscription. I know a lot of you guys out there aren't fans of the Peacock, so don't give them money. Give us money. We got better content than Peacock anyway. And we got the third and final level you can donate at. At, which is for a mere $9.99. Same amount of money we used to pay for a WWE Network subscription here in the United States. Ever since I saw with the Peacock, I would to put that $9.99. So to the $9.99, bring it over here. We got better content than the network. And unlike All Elite Wrestling, we actually care about our fans and are dedicated to giving the people what they want. You have the option of paying with a credit card or with GPay. Now, the best part is, all the money we raise goes back into the show in some capacity. We use to upgrade our equipment, we use to bring in bigger name guests, pay the bills, and take care of all the guys who work very hard on the air and off the air to make the Boochcast a success. So if you got a favorite co-host and you believe they're to be paid for their hard work, anchor.fm slash theboochcast slash support is how you make that happen. And then, if there's any money left over, when it's all said and done, we use the rest to feed a... Uh, Children of the Corn here, his uh, ramen noodles, and try, try to get him laid. Seriously, it's like trying to find a freak on a leash. We cannot get this man laid for whatever reason. <laughs> Maybe we can communicate with someone through a twisted transistor. So, until next time, this is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, saying keep on living life and take care. This has been The Boochcast. We'll talk to you guys next time. Until then. Pizza, Pizza baby. baby! Scissor me, Boochie! Ah. Anyway, that means completely non-homosexual.
Well, I see by the clock on the wall that it's time to bid you one and all goodbye. Goodbye. So long. So long. Farewell. Farewell. Adieu. Adieu. Be good. Stay well. Bye bye. Keep warm. Relax. Eddie. Take care. Stay loose. Adieu, mon vieux. À la prochaine. Goodbye till when we meet again.